Welcome back to an actual episode of Tradman. We're not praying. We're not doing louds. It's actual. We get to do a real show. Jace, how you doing, man? Oh, pretty good, Mark. Uh, overall, no. Uh, I, you know, I was telling you offline the other day that your louds, um, you know, it it uh, it's a, with a short episode. Well, not even episodes. Prayer, yeah. but I mean, they take about twenty minutes. Is what I'm getting at. Right. And uh, it seems that you. Uh, You've got a pretty good little core of uh, followers that are really, um, from their comments uh, I see on here and other places, it seems like it's really making an impact on some people in a, in a good way. Yeah. So and I, I, I commend you for starting that. No, well, my my wife calls, I, I call my uh, the people who pray louds with me, my accountability buddies, because if I know they're waiting for me, at five fifteen, I can't sleep in. I got to get up and I got to do it. So it's like we're we're, yeah. we're we're holding each other accountable, and that's that's what we do as as Christians, right? We we shore each other up, and when times are hard, and um, and times are hard right now, and I, I I thought now would be a good time to talk about a kind of a difficult topic, but an important one. Um, um, before we start, yeah, did you see my mug? What is it? What is that? It says me plus you equals heart all right jason you're, you're <laughs> making you're making me very uncomfortable now now i'm gonna have to start setting boundaries and enforcing the boundaries. <laughs> you know you, you know this week or actually the past 48 hours has actually been kind of kind of uh crazy i guess i don't know if crazy is the right word it's not it's not crazy to what a lot of people go through but um you know like uh, so did you get the storms at your house yesterday? Like mm-hmm. the real bad wind? Yeah. We did. So we did. Our, our back fence blew down, uh, our side fence blew down. So now it's like, well, now I've got to replace those. Right. Um, and then my wife called me today and uh, her van wouldn't start. So oh, I went no. up to Goodwill. I met her and I tried to jumpstart. First time in my life, I've never been able to jumpstart a car. And I was saying, and I was hoping, okay, I hope it's not another issue. Um, so I just went and bought a battery, which, for these Nissan NV 3500s are big batteries, pretty expensive, right? I mean, a couple hundred bucks. And, uh, luckily I came back, I installed the battery in the parking lot there and it cranked right up and was running. Look at uh, you. Come on, yeah. boy. Well, no, yeah. that's the easy part. I was actually nervous. Cause you know, when they say when it rains, it pours, I've had a few other things go on recently and they're like, <laughs> when it rains, it you pours. Got no the- idea. My friend, that- that happened yesterday and then this and then my neighbor's roof from the wind was damaged so i had them come inspect my roof today just to be you know to be i said mm-hmm. it might be prudent to have come that was okay so luckily it's not it's not pouring on me yet but i was kind of getting nervous i was like oh because like i said i had some other things going on and i was like please don't let it start pouring and good to see you <laughs> welcome Lou. Yeah, hey Ange. Oh no, that's not Lou. There's Lou. <laughs> Lou, good to see you. That Lou is one of my breviary accountability buddies. Um, so She's today, I wanna, yeah, or straight. To, <laughs> today, I want to talk about um, you know a story that's that's going around that we've been um, uh, hearing. We've been following this story for a while, um, and the, the story is of uh, the former uh, fraternity priest, uh, Father James Jackson, formerly Father James Jackson. Pretty soon, I'm just going to call him James Jackson. Okay. Um, Margot, thank you so much have for they, watching and praying. Has has the fraternity taken? Um, where I'm gonna, I, uh, I'm gonna get. They, they've released a statement, uh, and I'm gonna get to that in just a second. But for those of you who don't know, I just want to do a quick recap of what happened. 
Um, James Jackson is a member of the priestly fraternity of St. Peter, and he pleaded guilty on Thursday to a felony count of receiving child pornography. Um, by the way, it goes without saying that tonight's episode may deal with some sensitive topics. If you are a victim of these, uh, of, of these sorts of crimes, I urge you to approach this episode with a lot of discernment and prayer. This might be something you might want to come back and watch, take some time with it. And I, I, I urge you to seek, um, uh, professional help with getting through something like that. And, and before we, before we started <clears throat> speaking of prayer, did you want to say, uh, maybe the St. Michael prayer, or if you had another one, because, because yeah, these, because these type of things in our world are very, that's very a good demonic. idea. That's yeah. a great idea. Let's say a quick prayer to St. Michael, uh, because we are going to be talking about some, some really evil stuff. So in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy ghost, amen. St. Michael, the archangel defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host by the power of God cast into hell, Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl through the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy ghost. Amen. Um, Father Jackson was set to begin trial June 20th. He accepted a plea deal in which prosecutors agreed to drop possession of child pornography charges in exchange for his guilty plea to receiving child pornography. And that's according to federal database records and the Providence Journal. He essentially, he took a plea bargain agreement. Um, and so he is convicted. Um, he initially at his initial arraignment pled not guilty. That is very, very standard. Yeah, because because uh, I actually messaged you last night and we talked for a little bit uh, yeah. back and forth about this because I had seen a lot of people saying, well, it does, you know, they were acting like it was suspicious that he pled not guilty and then switched it to guilty, like guilty, like the state was really didn't have any evidence potentially or whatever the case may be. So I said, I'm going to ask an actual lawyer if if pleading not guilty at the uh, arraignment hearings is 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 normal. And you were like, yeah, it's, it's very normal. normal. I, I, you, in fact, you in said, fact, you, you said it would actually not be smart in most cases to plead guilty initially. In fact, the, the, the federal constitutional rule is that this is, this is settled jurisprudence. If you have a defendant who just, he won't speak in court, he won't enter a plea. The, the court must enter a plea of not guilty for him. Um, it must mm. do that. Because once you plead guilty, the game is over. You're convicted. If you plead not guilty, you have options. You plead guilty, no options. You, there's no deals. You, you just go straight to jail. Um, so it is typical that you will see a not guilty plea. Uh, even if you know you're guilty, you'll plead not guilty so that you can do some maneuvers like a plea, guard, like a plea bargain agreement for a reduced sentence. Um, there might be some folks out there who who are believed he is framed and that, that this is all calumnies and things like that. And this, that this is a setup, but I will say this um, to plead as a Catholic priest, to plead guilty to something like this, when you are not guilty of something like this is not better. It, if you really think about it for just a moment, what you're saying is he scandalized the whole Catholic church to save his life. That's not better. And when you start thinking about it like that, you'll start realizing that what's actually going on 
and and I'm, I'm I want to get into what's what I believe is going on and how how I think all this does. I want to talk about the fraternity for just a second because the fraternity has released a statement yesterday. The fraternity of Saint Peter pledges to cooperate with civil and ecclesiastical authorities in this case. Father Jackson has not had faculties to function publicly as a priest since his arrest in October of 2021. Until Father Jackson was arrested, the fraternity of Saint Peter was not aware of anything in his words or behavior that could give rise to suspicion concerning such actions. Crimes of this type are inexorable, and Catholics should pray for the victims of pornography and work to put an end to its industry. Um, okay, let's and, talk. And, yeah, go ahead. But I, I just wanted to add, and and maybe maybe you'll have an answer for it. But one of the questions in my head was not not only does it scandalize the faithful when a priest would admit guilty on something like this if he was innocent? Mm -hmm. I can see in some cases, rare cases really, but in a case like this. It, you, you would be hard-pressed to convince a lot of people to plead guilty, right? But if you're a married man or woman and you have a family, you have kids that are grown up, you know, sometimes people, yes, will potentially make a plea bargain in order to reduce the sentence so that they, so that they get out because they have a lot, of lot to lose family-wise, right? My, when you're, when you're a, a single Catholic priest that's older, what, what gain did he have by pleading guilty if he truly wasn't guilty outside of the fact that, that if he was innocent, yeah, he, he definitely needed to fight to the bitter end because it, because it has scandalized a whole lot of people right now. But other yeah. than that, outside of that, what else was his motivation for pleading guilty? If he wasn't really guilty, like it's what also did he have grave, to lose? If you were to plead guilty to a crime like this and you did not commit it, a, you would be telling a grave lie. If you look at our Lord at his trial, now he didn't mount a defense of himself because it wasn't a real trial. They had already yeah, decided yeah, yeah. what they were going to do by the time they got in there. The whole thing was a sham and that was beneath him and he wasn't going to participate in it. But at no point did our Lord say, you know, I'm not guilty of this, but if I say I am, we can get this whole thing over faster. He doesn't do that. That would be a terrible lie. And to lie and say, yes, I did these things when I didn't really so that I can just somehow get through it or, or get to where I'm going or something like that means that you've now covered up the crime for the actual perpetrator and you've committed another grave injustice. Oh, yeah. This is not better. So, so why, why is, why are we doing this? Well, well, and, and I can see, you know, what, why people that, that know him personally, it hurts to hear these things about people that you love, right? Because, 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 because it, it, yeah, devastating, um, you, you know, for people, but the cult of personality is very strong and it can really, I think in a lot of ways, skew right thinking in people, um, to the facts that lie before them, um, so are you, you know, are you familiar with the 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 stages of grief? So there used to be seven. Yeah. Now there's. Yeah, I mean, six, I don't know them off memory, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, I I found this great quote from Saint Anthony of Egypt, who writes, "Truly, my beloved, I write to you as reasonable people who have been able to know yourselves. For they who know themselves know God, and they who know God are worthy to worship Him as is right. My beloved in the Lord, know yourselves." Let each of us note and record our actions and the stirrings of our souls as though we are going to give an account to each other. St. Anthony of Egypt was very much into this idea that if you want to get through grief, you got to go down into it. You got to quit trying to skip it or get, you know, let it happen down the road. You got to go down in, you have to be buried so that you can rise again. And 
when I talk about stages of grief, why am I talking about stages of grief? Because those of those of us who, and I didn't even know uh, James Jackson personally or, or really have anything to do with him in any capacity, but there is an idea of a person we thought we knew. We thought we knew this person. We thought this person was our friend. We thought this person was our spiritual confidant. We have very fond memories of this monster. And it's very confusing and difficult to deal with. Essentially, what we're having to do is grieve for the death of a person who did not really exist. Well, yeah. yeah. And that's what's challenging. And the first stage of any of that is going to be denial. You're going to read stories online about none of this is really true. All of this is calumny. Uh, this, This can't be happening. And that may irritate you because you're like, how can you stand up for this monster? My brothers and sisters, what I'm urging you to do, and I'm not, I'm not innocent of this. I, after I tweeted out, everybody be cool with everybody today, I jumped down a dude's throat because I didn't like the way he wrote something. We're yeah. all going through this together. Right. And uh, denial is a normal and healthy psychological response to a loss like this. So when you see people posting these things online, from what I've read, I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not an analyst. I'm not a doctor. So feel free to seek out better resources than me. But I don't, I think there's a way to in charity, start dealing in reality. Living in the real world is, is difficult and painful, but it will help you get through this stage of the grief faster. There are other stages like guilt. Anger is one of them. We see a lot of that bargaining. I've seen that all over the internet. I'll believe it if I can see the evidence. I'll believe it when I see what, I'll believe it when this happens. And when that, I'm looking for a bargain for exchange because I want some control back over this situation. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the things you see is well, guilt. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jason. No, no. I was going to say that, that uh, <clears throat> this isn't the first time that we in, in church history have had a leader that was up on a pedestal was looked at as a very holy and righteous person who lets you down people, you know, and, and it's not uncommon for people to let you down anyway, it's but not going to be the last, this, this also isn't the first time that somebody has let members of the faithful down this bad, because again, a lot of people held this man in high esteem. Right. And, and it is devastating, but this ain't the first and it won't be the last. And I, I did want to share your tweet. You, you already kind of touched on it, but I think it was a really good tweet today that, that you, you basically, you know, we're talking about that. This is the grieving, uh, you know, people are grieving over the memory of a person. Right. Yeah. And uh, you talk about the first step of grieving is denial and, and, and it all makes sense. And I think, yeah, I, I think, you know, that we all do need to have more charity uh, and patience with one another, but at the same time, we we also have to um, not delude ourselves yeah. into into falsities. Living in reality is a is an important part of the of, of any healing process. One of the th- the steps that I wanted to talk about very closely was guilt. Um, I want to show you all a picture. I don't show this picture to very many people just because it's not something I'm particularly proud of. But I think it will give you all at least. Uh, some some insight to trust that I know what I'm talking about here. Okay. That's me receiving Holy Communion from Marcial Maciel. 
I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly how this feels. I know exactly how this feels. And the one thing I can tell you is that when I was in the Legion, I, 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 I'd, I'd met Marcel Maciel on many occasions, revered him as, as the founder of the order and, and as a great spiritual mentor of mine. When everything came and, and, and when parents would ask me, Hey, we've heard these stories. Are these true? I was the first one to say, these are not true. These are lies. These and are I, lies brought by enemy. I called the victims of his abuse enemies of the church. Yeah, I did. I told so, that my, so, so my question to you, cause I wasn't Catholic when, when all this was happening and no idea mm -hmm. until recent years, but, but he was from my, my understanding and talking to you yesterday, he was viewed uh, as a very righteous and holy man who could do no wrong. Right. I don't know that we ever thought he could do no wrong, but we certainly did not. We yeah, I might have exaggerated have, with that statement, but yeah. We but never I think could have. I mean, you got you to gotta hear this. We never could have expected what came yeah. to be true. I'm going to tell you right now, this guy right here makes James Jackson look like, you know, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> he had five or six different families around the world. Uh, and he would alternate and he would go on vacations with them with our our money, the religious orders money. Yeah. Um, and he took home videos of himself on these vacations. Th this is not anything that's disputed anymore. These are these are known facts. He did also have his own children that he fathered in these several um, different uh, families. Um, he went on to proceed to abuse those children as well as seminarians. Um, as well as narcotics, all on the Legion's dime. Is Was he one of the reasons that you decided to join the Legion's? No, I had joined okay. the Legion because I'd heard they were really orthodox. They were Novus Ordo, and I was not trad yet. I would not really, I, in fact, it was there that I discovered, I had started studying liturgy, and that's where I became I gotcha. traditional, and that, that didn't go over well at all there. And that, so I ended up <laughs> leaving the order before everything came out. Um, I was living in Chicago when the story broke okay. that everything was true. And I was devastated to the point where I left the church for years for that. Would not is that where, the door of one. Is that is that where seminary was in Chicago or were you still in undergrad? No, no. I was already married and everything by, by the time all oh. this stuff came out. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I was living in Chicago. I was going, I was, I was in college at Loyola. Um, and I remember my last confession before I walked away from the church for years. I was at St. John Cantius because that's where I used to go. And I remember asking the priest, Father, are we still the good guys? Hmm. He had no response to that because he's going through it too. He's yeah. going through it too. He didn't have a response to that. And I said, I got to tell you, Father, this whole thing, it wasn't the Jews. It wasn't the Protestants. It wasn't even the Freemasons. You know who the bad guy was the whole time? It was us. And... I got and I and I said I don't need absolution. I just wanted to let you know I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. And I walked out of confessional. That and I did I did yeah. not darken the door of a Catholic church for years. Okay. I felt so guilty. I felt so guilty. And here's what I want to say to the people who are close to this situation: not only the victims of the abuse in question, the, 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 the children found on the, the poor children found on that laptop, not just to them, but primarily to them, 
But to the rest of us, to, to those of you who knew him personally, who considered him a friend and a close spiritual confidant, to the mass of the ages team who featured him prominently in what I consider to be one of the most important Catholic films to be made since The Passion of the Christ, you might be feeling terribly guilty. I need you all to know something, and you've got to listen close to me. None of this is your fault. I'll say it again. None of this is your fault. None of this is the Vatican's fault. None of this is the fraternity's fault. This is the fault of James Jackson and the decisions that he made. You were a party to his lie because he lied to you too. And in so doing, he victimized you. You are victims of spiritual abuse and you deserve comfort, understanding, and some compassion right now. You do not deserve to be beating yourselves up and wondering if, if how you promoted a pedophile or you stuck up for a, a, a bad guy and how you put people in danger by touting this man as a holy person. This is not your fault. I can't say it enough. It is yeah. not your fault. Yeah, no. And, and, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And one of the things that I tweeted today was that, uh, groomers and pedophiles are some of the best people at deception in the world. You know, when you take any type of child abuse prevention program, like, um, I forgot what the, what the Catholic church is called, but safe sport, you know, I've taken two or three of them with, with the Catholic church, with the USA wrestling and whatnot. One, one of the things to look out for is they get people to trust them like family. A lot of times they get these people to trust them with their lives and with their children's lives. They are good at what they do. So those that may have been deceived all these years, like, I don't know, like to, to me, I'm like, don't, don't, don't feel like a fool or bad about it because these people are good at what they do. They know they're, what they're doing. They're very manipulative and, and they're and, very, and you're not the only one that has been taken, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you, you got to think about, and I, I know we talk a lot, the, the, the modern world is crazy. We dismiss everything as a mental illness. Now everything can be cured with a pill and psychotherapy. Yeah. We forgot about And I I've told people this time and time again, cause they're like, they always want to know, well, what's your take on the, on the sex abuse scandal back in the early two thousands? What, what was your, what do you think caused all that? Cause I have my own show and I'm, I'm deep into the Catholic culture and everything. And I tell them the same way we forgot about the problem of evil. Mm -hmm. The, the modernists had convinced us that everything, that there is no such thing as evil. You see, everything is just a mental illness. And so when you see someone commit evil, you don't waste time and confession and prayer and all that silliness. No, no, no. You go to a doctor. And so that's what they would do with these priests. They'd send them to the doctor. The doctor would say they were cured. And the modernists would go, well, science says they're cured. And of course, we trust the science. You know, always, always trust the yeah. science. Well, guess what? The science was about as right then as it was the entire time during COVID, meaning not at all. Uh, and the problem of evil was real the whole time. And the Catholic Church just decided to forget about that. Well, and the, yeah, and, and, and when the Catholic Church doesn't fight evil, evil runs amok because no one will fight. Evil. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think that we forget a lot of times the demonic influence that is involved because we do chalk it up to mental illness or, you know, whatever the case may be. But. One one of we talked about this in a previous episode, but one of my favorite lines in Nefarious is when the priest comes in 
And he talks about demonic possession and oppression and all these different things, right? Influences. He says, oh, that was that was the old Catholic Church. We don't believe in that no more. And then what happened with, with the, the demon and the, the fairies? The demon immediately relaxes mocked his him. posture. Relaxes him, mocks, mocks he, the priest. He's comfortable. He's and, home. And I think we as lay people are guilty of that many times because we we don't want to acknowledge that these people aren't mentally ill. They're, a lot of times they're, they may just be evil. They may have demonic influences upon them. And uh, I, I also kind of wonder sometimes, you know, we're talking about groomers and pedophiles uh, being good at deception and whatnot. But sometimes I kind of wonder in our world today where we have – groomers and pedophiles out in the open being accepted through you know these children drag shows um library reading hours we've kind of gotten used to the fact that these people are out in the open that may, maybe we've kind of forgotten about the deception part of all this i mean i mean do, do, what I, do you think, I think about that? there's a yeah there's a culture war aspect to it of that um but i think the people who are more dangerous even than that are the, are the, are the James Jacksons of the world. Oh, absolutely. Are, 100%. Who are really I, just out here for the, to, to find victims and to get access to victims. Um, you know, I, I would say that um, I, I think who, who's, I, I don't know that I am looking at demonic possession or oppression. I think he made a free choice here. I no, really no, do I think do. He, yeah. no, I do. Uh, no, I do too. And that's why I don't necessarily say possession and all these, but, there are demonic influences in our world yeah. because it's not I'm, a I'm, mental illness. Yeah, it's no, not, it's definitely people not. People are not sick. They're you're evil. still making you're still making your own free will choice, and and I think it, uh, Caitlin speaks to that to, to a point, right? Because you make you make a, a a choice to start watching porn, but making those choices again, going back to the movie Nefarious, it opens up doorways. You, you you say all you know, it's all these little yeses, the evil that that manifest themselves in a great evil later on, right? That you're that you're saying yes to. So those are demonic influences that you're saying yes to, but you say yes on your own free will. So I guess that's what I'm I'm getting yeah. at. I don't I don't think that uh, that James Jackson was was possessed. I just think that he cooperated with evil too long, that he yeah. went down a very dark path that I, I don't know if he knew how to get out of, if he was so deep deep in the game at that point. I don't know. But we commend it, his soul to the mercy just of God, obviously. Yeah and, yeah, and we pray that he has a truly contrite heart and repents while he but, has time. And but mostly what I'm what I think we we need to focus on is because it, I, I'm guilty of it too. When you see people who are still kind of, who are still going through the denial phase and you've already moved on to anger, it can be frustrating because <laughs> you're yeah. like, we're past that. Why aren't you here where I am? You know, um, let we need, and I'm, I'm the first one who needs to take this advice as well as I'm giving it. Believe me. Yeah. Um, we got to be a little yeah. bit more patient with, with one another and the, and the different ways that we process this. This is not the last time we're going to go through this. Mm. I'm, I'm sorry to say this. This is not the last time we're going to go through this. And one of the things that I did want to talk about here is what went right here, because there is something that went right here. There is some, there is a sign of encouragement in something that happened here. What really exacerbated the crisis in the early, that, that broke in the early part of the 20th, 21st century was the covering up the lies, the deceit, the duplicitousness, threatening victims, 
that bishops and prominent clergy engaged in. That was absolutely inexcusable. And I have to say, mm -hmm. I am incredibly encouraged by the actions of the FSSP in this process because it's not like... I, I've never expected that the Catholic Church will be sinner-free. I, I mean, at the, after the second coming, it will be. But in the meantime, there's, there, there's you know, it, we walk a razor's edge between heaven and hell every day of our lives. And don't ever forget it. Uh, I, you know, and I was talking recently with some friends of mine about 1 Peter 5. It's a great passage. We all love it, but it is terrifying in its implications. What Peter says is we're huddled together in the darkness and we have a torch that is Christ, the light of the world. And roaming around the perimeter is the enemy just walking in a circle, staring at you. He can see you. You can't see him because he's in the dark. Just waiting for you to step into the dark a little bit. So you have got to be very careful where you place your feet in this life. It's not a joke. It's not a game we're playing. This is serious stuff, you know? And what we need to be focused on, at least what I think we ought to be focused on, is healing victims. Because in a sense, we're all victims of this, some of us much more than others. And the, right now, we need compassion, and we need to do what we can to see. At, I don't know that we can ever put the child victims whole. We can't do that. Only no. Christ can do that. And we need to pray that that happens. We need to pray that these victims can seek solace in the sacred heart of Jesus, who restores all things to himself. But you've got to know that um, guilt is normal. What If you're feeling guilty, it doesn't mean that that's evidence you're a really bad person and you're that's not evidence of anything other than you are a normal person going through the grieving process. And one of the things you're going to have to do is give yourself some time to go through it. I, I can, I, nothing I'm going to tell you is going to make you feel better by the end of this video. This is going to be a process. It's going to take time. I stayed away from the church for years. Now, I'm not advocating that. That's not, that was not a positive way to deal with it. And that's why I yeah. wanted to do this show so that that doesn't happen, you know? Because there's a positive, there's a there's a right way and a wrong way to deal with this. Um, I please don't become cynical or embittered. That that Satan lives at the end of that road, man. I'm telling you. Don't you know, maybe cynical. maybe maybe I'm wrong in thinking this way, and and you can put me on the right path. But well, I don't know that I can. <laughs> there, there's a point, obviously, in this whole case where we do need to have. A righteous anger with with yeah. James Jackson, right? Sure. And we 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 more than anybody, we need to pray for the victims of of his crimes. Um, I will say though that I think there has to be it, in what you're saying about having patience and sympathy for those that may be grieving over the man that they thought they knew. I think we have to discern between those people versus the people that are just covering up, right? Who are sure. very, who sure. are very factional and sure. and are are defending and accusing everybody from different reporters from the United States government to all these different third party people. They're they're, they're covering for James Jackson instead of acknowledging the truth because they're more interested in factional and cult of personality. Uh, 
love for a person than they are the truth. Now you do have people that will grieve who do want the truth. They're just going through this, these processes you're talking about. But, but I think there has to be discernment on our part as we determine who is, who we need to be patient with and who we need to rebuke. Right. And I, and I'd say this to people, you know, cause there may come times, I guarantee you, there's going to be one person who's going to see that picture that I just showed as evidence that Mark is pro uh, Marcel Maciel and is, an, <laughs> uh, is a legionary of Christ sympathizer. And Thanks for the idea. There's always going to be those people. <laughs> yeah. But those people are sick. They are not going to help you get through your grief. There comes an episode, there comes a time of shake the dust from your feet and you, you can't solve their pain too. You got to focus a little bit and, and heal yourself a little yeah. bit on your own healing. And, and if you don't want to end up like those folks, don't go down the road of cynicism and bitterness because that's where it leads. It leads yeah. there and nowhere else. I'm telling you, I mean, I can't even tell you how many people are just angry, bitter, miserable people. And when they're like that, they're not going to be happy until everybody on earth is as angry we, and bitter and miserable as they are. I know it's kind of off topic, but welcome to Treadman. Um, we, we, <laughs> we, we talked about this yesterday, and I think it's it, maybe it's worth bringing up, you know, since, since you mentioned it. But I sent you a message yesterday about having joy in the Catholic faith and, and you know, losing yeah. joy in the faith itself because you're so bogged down with so many of the issues going on in the church. And, um, I had mentioned to you that I think a lot of times when you talk about the joy, having joy in the faith, you will have the people that are just miserable in their lives think that suffering is, well, you got to be a miserable person to truly be suffering. Well, that's not what suffering is because you can read in scripture when, when uh, the apostles and stuff were arrested, what were they doing after they got beat? They were singing praise to God because they were having joy. So this idea that you can't have emotion or feelings or, or love for the faith because you must be always suffering is such a farce that I think, I think it really hurts what true suffering is, people's understanding of it, right? It's 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 not that I got to go around being miserable and sad all the time about everything around me, yeah. because at that point, if you're doing that, then I think you're missing the message of the gospel. I would even argue you're not really suffering. What you're essentially doing is mm-hmm. dumping off all of your suffering on another person. Yeah. Look, you're dumping your emotions on another person because you don't want to deal with them. Yeah. That's not carrying a cross. That's dumping it on someone else. It is exactly the opposite of carrying a cross. When our Lord carried his cross, how much whining do you read about in the gospel narratives? Because you can't deny he would have had every right to say this isn't fair because it wasn't. He can't, you, you would oh, have had far, every yeah. right to say you're not allowed to do this to me because we're not allowed to do that to him. But he doesn't say any of that. Because he's carrying his cross. He's carrying it so we don't have to. That's what a man does. He takes on the suffering so that the weaker and more vulnerable among him don't have to. And then he saves the world. That's why Christ is the man. And And I don't mean that in the modern parlance of you the man, dog. I mean, he is the man. He is the epitome of the man. Behold the man. (laughs) Behold the man. I am only a man to the extent that I am able to imitate him. Yeah. So that's why I'm only a man and sometimes not even a great one. You know what I mean? Not even a very yeah. good one, 
but I'm only a man. I'll never be the man because he is the man. And yeah. I love when Pilate said that, behold the man, because what Pilate was thinking he was saying is, look at this wretch of an individual. I mean, he's beat to hell and back. He, he I mean, he's the only thing that's left for him is execution. Look at this miserable specimen you've brought me. But what Pilate was actually saying that he didn't even know was behold the man. Behold indeed. Yeah, and and you know, when you when you read scripture, you um you see what it teaches a lot of times about like you say carrying your cross with joy, take your suffering with joy. So, um you know, we do need to suffer, we do need to deny ourselves to draw closer to Christ, but there should be joy in drawing closer to Christ, right? You should you you should find the joy in life and the joy in the faith because that was one thing that really drew me to Catholicism in the beginning was that I found joy and happiness in the faith like I had never experienced before. Now, I know some people will say, well, that's an emotional-based response. And yes, there was an emotional aspect to it. But what they don't know is there was a lot of intellectual studying going on as well, right? But but I but I think I think those those feelings, those emotions are important in the life of a, of a Christian, as long as they don't, uh, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? As long as they don't fool you into what true worship is versus, you I actually know. don't think joy is, a, is an emotion. Emotions are quite uh -huh. fleeting. Actually. Emotions are actually pretty fleeting, you know, uh, 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 happiness, sadness, things like that. Joy is something deeper. Yeah. Joy is really a state that you find yourself in. That is, I mean, I can tell you, think about all the holy nuns and priests you ever think about Sister Mary Yosefa, who you interviewed on this show. And if you haven't seen that episode, guys, go back and watch it. It's amazing. Jason picked the ball up at the last minute without me and just ran with it and conducted this amazing interview with this sister who is from the same house where that incorruptible nun uh, has been discovered. So she's part of that community. Did you ever see Sister Mary Yosefa not smiling? Have you oh, ever she, seen her not smiling? The 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 we talked to her two different times. Yeah, and and yeah, Beaming. no, she 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 was smiling. Beaming. And you could, just the way I mean, she emanated as a very virtuous holy woman. And if you think those nuns don't suffer, if you think that their lives aren't hard, you should go check out. If you're if you're a female, go do a retreat. Yeah. <laughs> cold water bare feet up at four o'clock in the morning those are nuns baby them, yeah. them nuns ain't playing around they are they are brides of christ but beaming with joy beaming don't and that was one of the things that i i'm glad you brought that up because that directly ties into what we're talking about here is don't ever let anybody steal your joy don't do that because when they steal your joy they steal christ from you and they don't have a right to that there are some people who are going to look at mass of the ages and judge the entire film based just on the fact that that guy appears in it in certain places. Um, and they will make judgments about everybody who made that film. Let me tell you about people like that. People like that have no sympathy for the victims. Not really. If they ever met a real victim of, of child abuse, they wouldn't lift a damn finger to, to help or do anything. People like that just want to be nasty. Cut those people from your lives. Don't, don't, you have no obligation. Christian charity does not oblige you 
to entertain people who are abusive to you. It does not. That's a lie. Don't you don't have to do that. So when you see people who do that, don't internalize their feelings and make them yours. Shut them down. They don't know what they're talking about. And then you, I'm telling you, that's the way to go. Well, and, and, you know, speaking of the film, cause, because we've come across a few asking, you know, should it, should uh, James Jackson be kept in the film and whatnot? I don't think that just because of, of his evil deeds and, and the wickedness that, that, that he participated in, it doesn't take away from the truths that he may have said, say in the film or in some of his books, right? Because as the saying goes, God can draw straight with crooked lines, right? He, he you know, he, he can, he can pull good out of anybody when he chooses to, right? For for his greater glory, for his purpose. So just because he he, you know, uh James Jackson may have been in the film doesn't take away from the truths that he or the film speak about. One of the things that he talks, one of the little episodes of his of his talk in that film is to refute the idea that everybody goes to heaven. Now, I can't think of a more apt example. That that I mean, what he's saying is we we like we talked about we walk a razor's edge between heaven and hell every day, and you know it, it's a difficult thing to process. I'm going to leave it up to the mass of the ages team to decide what they want to do with the film. Yeah. What they decide, I think will be the, will be the correct decision because so far that team has demonstrated to me that they take this obligation for this film very seriously. They have done. Episode one, to me, I, I can't even explain to you what I felt when I saw the film, because to me, that movie is not about him. I don't even care that he was in it. You could you could cut him out. You could leave him in. I can't. Yeah, to be quite honest, I don't even know what the right answer is. I, mean, I, I saw out. what I saw was a film about a woman who had undergone an unspeakable tragedy. You want to talk about somebody who was grieving and how to and how to deal with grief. This woman's husband died and left her with her children just out there. And in the midst of all that pain and that sorrow and that unspeakable tragedy and the and the nonsensicalness of it, because her husband died as a, a he had a, a rare illness. It came on all of a sudden and he was just gone to make sense of that to try and see God's plan in that, I'm sorry, that's difficult at best. And I don't know that, I think it would be impossible for me. But in the midst of all of that, she found a little bit of solace, a little bit of joy, dare I say some peace and hope in, of all places, the Roman rite of the Catholic liturgy. <laughs> and if you can believe it, America Magazine saw that as a problem for them to solve. <laughs> Just cut those people out of you. They're sick. They're demented. They're angry, bitter, lonely, miserable modernists. You ugh. Why in the heck would you ever care what they thought about, about you? They don't know about their whole life is one big abuse. You know, pity those people and have nothing to do with them. But I, I really do think that that film is amazing. It has, I go back and watch episode one all the time. Episode two is also good. It's a little bit more in the weeds of, of, you know, the history of how the liturgy wars developed and stuff. But episode one didn't get into any of that. It wasn't about, it was just about, look how beautiful this is. Yeah. And it is beautiful. And I, I think 
I don't think the mass of the ages team has anything to feel sorry or guilty or, or anything about with that film. Again, you guys did not do this. You didn't cause this. Y'all are not responsible. James Jackson is responsible. And I can't say it enough. Let me, let me ask you a question. Cause I was wanting to ask you earlier, but going back to speaking of, of when you, left the church because you felt guilty that we were the bad guys. Did you feel guilty as the bad guys as a Catholic or as being a member of, of the Legion? A Catholic, because remember this wasn't, this wasn't a story that just was isolated to the Legion. Yeah. yeah. The Boston archdiocese story had been out for a while before the, before the Marcel Maciel story. What uh, year did his come out? 2006 or seven. Oh, okay. The, the okay, Boston yeah. archdiocese story broke in Oh two. And so it was just another, it was another uh, brick on the wall, you know, and, and it was the straw that broke the camel's back because for me, that was the one that they had made me personally involved in. And, yeah. and I was so angry and guilty about that, that I could not darken the door. I just could not bring myself to do it. I'll put it to you this way. This was not, I, I often I told people that I was an atheist or I just wasn't religious. So they just leave me alone about it. I wasn't online advocating for atheism or anything like that. I knew Jesus was in that church and I was mad at him. Oh, was I angry at him? I was so mad at him. By God's grace, Jesus knows my, my faults, my insecurities, my deficiencies. And he was so patient with me. He was so patient with me. He didn't, he didn't send me any signs. He didn't have church people call me and try to bring me back in. He let me be with my feelings for a while. I'm not saying that that was the right way from. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm not saying that was the right way for me to handle that. And I don't recommend you all <clears throat> process this that way. I'm trying what my my hope is that this will this episode will let you know you don't have to do that. You don't have to walk away. And you know, you can be with your feelings here in the church. We'll allow that, right? And and if you can't be with them anywhere else, you can be with them here on Tradman. You know what I mean? Um what because, was because I get it. <clears throat> what was one of the things or or what ultimately brought you decided to make you come back to the church. What brought you back? Here we go. Now, this is an interesting story. I was in law school. <laughs> I was in law school and I, I was studying, uh, we were studying um, a case of Josh DeShaney. Josh DeShaney was a young boy from Iowa who uh, was systematically abused by his stepfather physically. CPS had been called out numerous times, but every time they'd come out, they wouldn't do anything. They'd never remove him or anything. The last time they beat Josh, he beat Josh DeShaney. He paralyzed him from the waist down. He lived the rest of his life in a motor chair. He died recently, um, and he was a Catholic. And this, that story made me, it, it was another thing about child abuse, and it made me angry all over again. But this time, there was something different. I felt that old familiar voice of that Nazarene carpenter that I used to hang out with a long time ago that I hadn't touched base with in a long time. And I felt him tell me, you know, you've, 
in order to, to start feeling better, you've got to believe that there's justice. If not in this life, then in the next. And you can look around because you're now involved in the legal community. You're now here in law school. Do you think this world is going to give any of that justice? So if this world isn't going to give it, where does justice come from? What is that? And where does it come from? And why does it exist at all? I sat with that uh, for about three weeks before I finally came to a realization that I have to believe that Josh DeShaney gets justice. If not in this life, in the next, maybe it is a self-delusion. And I, I was, I was thinking to myself at that time, maybe it is a self-delusion, but I need, I need it. I need that delusion in order to, to keep going. So uh, I, I came home and I got online because I didn't have any more rosaries. I got rid of everything. I didn't have any more rosary statues, nothing. And I ordered a rugged rosary because I thought it was cool looking. And I figured this thing will last me for a while. What year was this? Had you been 2016, 2017, okay. somewhere around there? Okay. And uh, I got the rosary and I sat with, I, I didn't say the rosary for, I didn't, I just kind of hang on to this thing for a while. And finally, one night I was sitting at home and I prayed the rosary and I was back. I, I mean, I was back. I went to confession the next day, mass every Sunday after that. I was taking, I went from a guy who showed up to law school, non-religious, to sponsoring a friend of mine in law school to come into the church. And I was the guy who was trucking everybody to traditional Latin mass every Saturday morning. And it was in Cedar Rapids. So we had to leave at like 6 a.m. Iowa City time to get to the TLM in Cedar Rapids at seven. I was the guy trucking everybody back and forth. So I really do look at it as, um, as Christ gave me some time, you know, he was so patient. He is such a patient shepherd. Um, and then, and then when he knew I was ready, he came and got me, you know, there you are. <laughs> and, uh, by the grace of God, I hope to never stray again, you know, and you this know, is, and you knowing know, and knowing how to deal with things like this is a big part of it. So, no, I mean, people have, you know, talk about good conversion stories. That's a good reversion story. I think I've had two reversion stories. <laughs> really? Yeah. One of them uh, after, ironically, after I left the Legion and that didn't work out, I was then kind of angry at God because I wasn't going to be a priest, but see that that was not a deep religious crisis. That was just an immature kid who didn't understand how yeah. vocations worked. You know, I, I was still under the impression that a vocation was like a job, meaning you choose the job you want and then you go and apply for the job. And then if you're qualified, you get the job. Yeah. And I had kind of felt like God didn't read my resume close enough, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just a, you know, punk kid at that age, you didn't really understand anything, but the second thing that happened with the Legion was much more yeah. um, painful and serious, but yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what would you say as a lawyer in, in your experience in the court systems and, and prosecution and whatnot, what, what would your response be to people that are holding on to the idea that he was still framed by the federal government and, if he if he was framed, to what end and what interest would would they want to frame a pretty outside of trad circles unknown Catholic priest? Well, that, that's that's a very good question to ask yourself when you when you start looking at this stuff. I 
if 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 the idea was to frame a traditionalist priest of the fraternity, there are much bigger targets out there that would be more fruitful if you were this type of unsavory individual. But you know, keep in mind, I'm not a very tech savvy guy, so I don't know if what they're saying is even possible to do. I don't understand. But then again, you know, keep in mind, I don't understand how the internet really. I can barely run this podcast, all right? <laughs> but what they, what I do know about these these child porno people is they don't access. You can't get this stuff. There's no childporn.com you can go to to um, to access this stuff. You and you don't accidentally have, download it. You can't. I don't. Well, I mean, I, I don't. Think I mean, I guess so. you could. I, what I mean, I've understood yeah, in the courts, then no. the cases that I've worked is these are very. These are individuals who take a lot of steps to obfuscate their online signatures. They have offsite servers that run through, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, all these proxies. Sir, I mean, they know all this stuff. Well, well, let me let, let let me just clarify my statement. Like, yeah, you can't accidentally download the amount of of child pornography that they said James Jackson. I, I had. can't imagine how you yeah. could. I yeah. cannot imagine how you could do that. Like, like if it was a very small amount, you could potentially, you know, if you had like a couple files, you, oh, it was an accident or whatever, you know, I, your case may be stronger then. But to have the amount of child pornography they accused They're saying of having, thousands. They're saying thousands of images. And here's the other thing I can tell you about federal prosecutors. Federal prosecutors don't bring a case until they've got you. That's not a job you get right out of law school where you're, you know, you're a green baby lawyer who doesn't know anything. That, so you go get a job in the prosecutor's office. Federal prosecutors are guys like Rudy Giuliani. Now, Rudy Giuliani's got kind of a bad reputation now, maybe less. But back in the day when he was a federal prosecutor in the U.S. Seventh Circuit, he brought down the mafia. Nobody had ever done that before. Uh, he, was, he was the one who actually decided you could use the RICO statute to prosecute the mafia. These guys are very, very good, and they don't bring a case unless they've got you. Um, now, what's interesting here is the uh, this plea bargain and stuff all happened in state court. It did not. He uh, well, no, it does say he was uh, June seventh. U.S. Attorney's Office proposed Jackson's motion. Is, yeah, so he's still in federal court here. Yeah, he's in federal court. Yeah, because he got arrested in Rhode Island, I believe, initially, right. and then and, later and, in Kansas. Yeah, and anything, any crime that happens over the internet is going to be prosecuted federally because it traffics in interstate. That's interstate lines. That anything sense, that yeah. traffics in interstate commerce um, is 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 going to be federal. Um, so, in fact, one gun company got around the ATF by just refusing to ship guns anywhere outside their state. And once they did that, they weren't in the stream of interstate commerce anymore in the federal government. I don't know. That, that, seems, that one's still kind of in the works, but it, it's creative. I'll give you that. Um, but yeah, the federal prosecutors don't bring a case against you unless they got your ass. They well, got you. Well, uh, how about why would the, the question that I've seen a lot as well on, on social media is if the state had or, or the, the prosecutor had a slam dunk case, why would they plea bargain? Because that doesn't make sense. Right. So uh, for several reasons, one trials of this type are lengthy, they are costly and 
because of the evidence, because of the type of evidence involved in prosecuting this case, very, very sensitive. Um, you know, juries are going to have to see this evidence in order to make a determination of the finder of fact. Yeah. Uh, they, and in order to do that, that there have to be a lot of precautions and safeguards put in place. These types of trials are very expensive. They take a lot of time and no matter how good your evidence is and how good of a prosecutor you are, you might not win. I mean, that's always a possibility. You could get it. This person could be acquitted. And here's the thing. Once they're acquitted, you cannot retry them again. There's a double jeopardy clause in the U.S. Constitution. Once you're acquitted of a crime, you cannot be retried again. These federal prosecutors got one shot to get this dirt bag off the street, just one. So anytime you can do it for sure versus a crapshoot, even if it's a really good crapshoot, the incentive a lot of times is to try and reach a plea deal. Now, he's looking at five to 20 years in prison. Uh, his reputation is over. He will never be able to do something like this again. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, even if he, that. even if he's released and I honestly don't see him spending any less than 15 to 20 years in prison as, as part of his plea agreement, yeah. but he is now a convicted felon. So he'll never be able to vote uh, again. Uh, well, depending on what state he's in, he'll never be able to own a firearm. He'll never be able to, uh, um, you know, claim certain, um, you know, privileges or anything like that in, in you know, any federal benefits of certain types of things like that. So there's a lot that goes along with being convi a convicted federal felon. Um, and it, it probably just was one of those things where the, the, the defense wants to plea because um, prison is very hard for child abusers as it should be. Yeah. And it's not a fun place. And if you, if you're one of these creeps and you want to get your way out of uh, this uh, situation as quickly as possible, it's in your interest to plea bargain. Why does it take three months for sentencing? Because the federal courts are run by federal employees and civil servants are like bad war cannons. They don't work because you can't fire them. That's why it takes three months. I mean, everything, <laughs> this is my whole life is waiting three months for the court to do the dumbest thing. You know, uh, I've been waiting, I'm prosecuting, uh, I'm defending one lawsuit in a justice of the peace. I've been waiting two years to get a calendar date on a motion to suppress evidence. I don't know why it takes so long. I have no, I, I the day I figure that out, I'll let you know. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know, some of the some of the stuff I'd read about this case, the the legal side of it, it might this might have been on Pillar Catholic, but they they mentioned how, I guess, uh, Jackson's attorneys had put in a lot of motions. One of them was to suppress certain evidence of his arrest sure. in Kansas and all this, and the judge ruled no against those requests. And mm -hmm. then it was after that that they went ahead and pled guilty it took the plea bargain so it almost seems like what we're like the way the legal system typically works is what you've alluded to earlier or what you said or not alluded but in the beginning you plead non-guilty because otherwise you give up all your your rights for the most part very important rights so you plead not guilty you then from there your attorney is seeing what what options does he have to defend you with Correct. So his attorney came up, well, these are all our options that we could potentially de defend you with and, and, and whatnot. The very first thing but, you're going to want to do is get rid of evidence. Those are called so, motions in limine. 
but yeah. So, so when the judge refused his request, I guess the attorney at that point spoke to Jackson and said, look, we don't really have a case. You know, all of, all of my attempts were, were turned down. Now we can go to trial and it's not, it's not, you know, and you want, and you want proof that, and you want proof that the federal prosecutors had him, even though they cut him a deal, they didn't cut him a very good deal. I mean, he's still going to go to prison. All they did is shave a a few years off of prison since they didn't really cut him a very good deal because they don't have to. Essentially, the only incentive in it for the federal prosecutors is it's going to save nine months of trial and like 15 years of therapy out of my life because I don't have to look at these images anymore. Yeah, Um, that's actually a very good point. Like like if you're prosecuting these type crimes. Yeah, like you're not going to want to deal with with this. A normal person is not going to want to deal with these type of images and talks for months at a time or weeks at a time. That that's a very good point. So in the prosecutor sense, they could be like, "Look, we'll we'll cut you a deal just so that we don't have to deal with the, the facts of this case." I, I a, yeah, that's I mean, a very good point. He he he. Uh, his is I can assure you his lawyer told him to take this deal because of what what's in the evidence. The first thing any good lawyer is going to do after you enter in a plea of not guilty is because I've done I've done criminal defense work. The first thing you're going to want to do is suppress evidence. There's a variety of different ways you can do that. Some evidence is hearsay. Some evidence is not authenticated. Some evidence uh, there's chain of custody issues. You're going to try everything to get rid of as much evidence as possible. If I'm if I'm defending a DWI case. I want to get rid of the tox screen. I want to get rid of the blood draw. I want to get rid of the breathalyzer. I want to, I want to exclude uh, any scientific evidence that my client was intoxicated. And I'm going to attack the calibration of the machine, uh, the person, whether or not they were trained enough to do the blood draw, where, where the chain of custody on the blood draw, the, equi- the lab's equipment. I'm going to attack all of it until I tell something sticks. Um, and in lieu of all that, if the judge says, nope, I don't care. All that evidence is coming in. Now, you know what evidence you're dealing with. You don't even know what the evidence against your client is until after you file all your motions in lemony, because if you get all the evidence, if all the evidence is gone, well, now they don't have any evidence against you. And so we're in a much better position, but you always want to plead not guilty first, because if you plead yeah. guilty, it doesn't matter what their evidence is. You're convicted. It's done. And you're at the mercy of the court. And, you know, with the whole he was set up talk, like I believe that people have been set up before in, in different cases and stuff, but there's typically, well, I shouldn't say typically. No, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go off on that rant because there's a lot of con- conjecture necessarily in it. But I just, it's just hard to fathom why, out of all people, the the federal government would spend their time persecuting this one priest when. They, to be quite frank, they have bigger enemies to fry <laughs> than than a, a, a traditional Catholic priest, big time. And the other thing about it is, a, a, a frame job can't should not be done on equipment that has timestamps and metadata that logs the source of all and in, the information that comes in. You know, if what you want to do is frame somebody, what you do is. You go to the guys in the warehouse and you ask them if they have weed. What they're going to sell you is a, is a bag of caprese salad. You take the caprese salad and you put it in Toby's desk. <laughs> then you have Dwight call the police. When the police show up, you tell them that Toby has drugs in his desk. This is how you frame somebody. Okay. Um, it's rock solid. 
It's rock solid. It works every time. What you don't do is somehow convince this priest to buy his own server and hook it up to an offline proxy server to download images that he won't know what they are on his on this server, and he's going to keep this in his bedroom. How do you do that? How do you talk? How I know. Well, I don't say I know Father Van Fleet. I mean, I could say that I know him the best I know it, right? Yeah. Um, I, I have every reason to believe he is a good and holy priest. One of the things that I know about Father Van Fleet, we just built this beautiful gatehouse at Regina Chaley. And it's there's a residence for the priests upstairs, the rectory. Mm-hmm. No one's allowed in the rectory except for priests, period. Period. Under any circumstances. If I went, if and being Father Van Fleet, I would consider to be somewhat friends. He's not going to invite me upstairs for tea. We'll have tea downstairs in his office that has windows and you know, everybody can see in. Um, I can't imagine what you would have to do to convince Father Van Fleet to keep a to keep an online server in the rectory that downloads things he doesn't know what they are. Can you can you see him being well? I guess so. Well, let's do that. Yeah. He doesn't even like having Wi-Fi at the parish. The diocese makes him so because so that you know that it's it's a, it's a thing that all parishes have to have some some internet access. But he's got the password. He don't give it out to anybody. Nobody's allowed to use the parish Wi-Fi for anything uh, except CC, who works in the office. I don't even think he uses it quite frankly. So I'm very, I I don't understand why somebody would, would keep something like that. Why a priest, why a Catholic priest would keep uh, a a data server that hooked up to the internet in his home. Why? I don't know. There's no good answer for that. Now, yeah, uh, you know, he needs our prayers and we, we need to pray for his conversion to be sure. But I don't think I'll be on and I'll spend a whole lot of time on this guy worrying, you know, and thinking about like, again, none of this is our fault. We are not the ones who made these decisions. He made these decisions. He can sit in jail and think about them for 20 years. And, I guess and hopefully he will repent. But, you know, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. After this episode, I'm never mentioning his name again. I'm moving on. <laughs> yeah. I. You know, one of my biggest aggravations with just in general is, for instance, anytime there's a there's an officer shooting uh, between, say, a black person and a cop, mm-hmm. you have you have certain groups of people on both sides who every single time one group says the cops are right every single time, no matter what. Right. The other side, the cops are always wrong, no matter what. Doesn't no matter what. what the evidence is. I feel like this is is turning out to be something like that because no matter what the evidence may be you can you can search and implant in your mind that well this seems off this seems off because you've already made up in your mind that he's innocent or you know or whatnot so you're going to stay on that side of the fence regardless of what reality is telling us and that's my 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 biggest aggravation in life just in general with that kind of factional mindset is can't we just be objective in in our search for truth like for instance truth like, is like, objective you can like, only be objective in your search for truth only. yeah so so 
or, or you know, be fair in it. Like with, with the whole cop shootings and whatnot, take every case by case by case basis, right? Absolutely. Like, like view the evidence. Same thing with this. And, and and I feel like some of the people that are quick to say, no, he was set up, no matter, you know, no matter what evidence you tell me, he was set up because I hate the government. They're after, you know, and, 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 and trad, sometimes we have this problem of we're being persecuted by everybody. It doesn't matter where we're the victim and we're the victims here. Yeah. yeah and, and you've mentioned that before as well. I think that mentality, um, I forgot where I was going with it, but, but, well, but I think I, that, I, you know, our Lord says something very mysterious in the gospels and, and it is a very mysterious line. He says, the son of man forgives all sins, but the sin against the Holy ghost cannot be forgiven. But then he never says what the sin against the Holy Ghost is, right? And church fathers have a oh, lot to say about this, and 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 religious scholars have debated a lot about this. I have a theory as to a possible layer of meaning. Okay, I'm not saying I'm defining this as this is not de fide, right? I'm just this is my this is kind of personal exegesis of. The oh, scriptures. I remember what I was going to say. I remember what I was going to say. Well, just chime right in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, before I forget, but, but, you know, you have this idea that you're always the victim. And, and so they're going to defend him to the bitter end. But on the, on the flip side, if it's a priest, they deem as a modernist or, right. or, or a priest that they don't like in a group guilty, that they don't like, even if they're guilty. They're guilty before you've heard the first shred of evidence. And I'm like, yeah. can we just be fair to all parties involved in all cases? We should be. And here goes, and here's my theory about like the sin against the Holy Spirit. We always associate the Holy Ghost with like, look at the gifts of the Holy Ghost, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. Uh, You know, it's very much associated with revelatory. The Holy Ghost is the person of God that gives us the knowledge of ourselves, of who we really are and what our relationship to God actually is. Uh, the Holy Spirit is very much associated with understanding, self-understanding, knowledge, right? When you sin against the Holy Spirit, you've closed yourself off to all of that. You never really can improve because the problem is never with you. Everybody else is always the problem. You know, I know there's some some of y'all might be upset because I ran White Wolf out of here. I don't care that I ran him out of here. I'm t- I, I got tired of him. Li- I got tired of listening to how everybody else is the problem. And he's this perfect work under finished under museum glass. It's not oh, hey, helpful. Up, it isn't, it isn't true and <laughs> it's not helpful. And you know, I'm cutting people like that out because quite frankly, you can never get better. That's why it can't be forgiven. You've given God nothing to work with. And so where you end up is just becoming increasingly angry and increasingly bitter and increasingly miserable, which does not improve your situation, just makes you worse. And then you become resentful because you're angry and bitter and miserable, which just makes you more angrier. And then the next thing you know, you have people who were in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who have no joy at all in their lives. And they see that you have it, and what do you think that does for their resentment? It it, it angers them and makes them even more Misery resentful. loves company. Misery loves company. And misery hates people who won't be miserable with them. So yeah, I ran his ass out of here and I'd do it again in a heartbeat. <laughs> and people think I'm uncharitable. I don't owe, you don't owe abusive people anything. Charity encompasses 
loving your brother as Christ loves the church. So pray for them, right? Offer up your sacrifices, but sit there and take their nonsense. No, you don't owe those people anything. And I'm sorry. And if you don't like that, there's 50 other million Catholic shows you can listen to. And I really wouldn't care. You know, and that's our show, everybody. <laughs> well, well, Lou, Lou mentioned Lou mentioned some folks doubling down, and we have talked about it. But, but I do, I have seen a lot of people who have changed their position based on the evidence. And to me, that's a very respectable position. The the sure. ones that I have seen change course and say, okay, the evidence has presented that that I was wrong in my initial judgment, right? And you're not I, a bad I have, person. I, I have a you... lot of respect for those. Like, like my respect for those people that I've seen do that has increased because I'm like, it takes it takes a person not only to admit they're wrong, but to publicly say, look, I was wrong. I, uh, you know, in my initial position. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I and, and it, it is. Look, none of us want to think these things are true. Of course, you would no. want to think that it's all lies. Jason, you're one of my, you, you probably are my best friend. Okay. You ain't reaching very high. If somebody told me that you, (laughs) if somebody told me you did something bad, my initial reaction would be you're wrong before. I don't even want to see evidence yet. That couldn't happen. That's my buddy. Nobody wants to think they're friends with awful people. Yeah. Right. And then when it comes to light, yeah, it's hard to have to come back and go, wow, I was really wrong about that person. Mm-hmm. I was taken by surprise and I got burned. And I'm not going to forget that. But I'm but you also do not have to take responsibility for it. Okay? That's very important to understand. You do not have to take responsibility for that. It's just not true. Thank you guys. I really appreciate that. All of you in the comment section. Yeah, thanks I hope for y'all listening. Are, uh, yeah. yeah, thank you for listening and thanks for being supportive of the show. And I hope everybody's and being okay. We are the you know it's coming up uh, over an hour, so I I know I've got to get yeah. Off. Let's um, let's wrap it up. <laughs> but we are the worst at self promotion. Just so people know, if if you haven't already, like, subscribe, and share the video um, to our channel. This yes, is a terrible. This is a terrible pitch. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. You can email us. You know, at this at this email, tell us uh, what you think of us. Well, if it's mean about me, don't 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 just talk about Mark. Um, well, you know, I told somebody something one time because yeah, we're not that good at self promotion, like you just said. And I said I don't care. I don't do the self for self promotion. If people watch our show, and they and at the end of the show they know who Jesus Christ is, and they don't know who you or I are, we did the show correctly. We did the show correctly. We must decrease so he can increase. I don't care. I'm really not that interesting of a person. Nobody. I've never been crucified and risen from the dead three days later. I haven't done that. So that automatically makes me infinitely less interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Tradmen as el podcast catolicismo tradicional más firme de avoiding Babylon. Pope Francis, hey, he said it. It must be true. I read it on the internet. He didn't, um, he didn't say it. He declared it. <laughs> Guys, I, I, I know it's a weird show to end on. A lot, I don't but- even know if Brandon is making fun of us because I don't understand big words. So I'm going to take it as an insult. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, we do pray louds here. We're going to pray louds tomorrow here, tomorrow morning, uh, Saturday, no day off. Uh, absolutely not. Um, and, uh, I can't wait to see you all there from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of my heart to all of you. I love you all like brothers and sisters. I hope you all love me like a brother too. And I hope you, Jason, buddy, I, I was telling my wife this, I want to move across the street from your house. She likes your neighborhood. I want to live in your neighborhood. Okay. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to put a shed in the backyard with an AC unit in it. I'm going to wire it up for internet, everything. And we're going to build the studio there because if we were in person, I would give you the biggest heterosexual hug I could give you right now because you are my, my brother, man. I love you, dog. Well, you missed your chance. Like four of the six cul-de-sacs last year sold across the street from us. <laughs> oh, no. hey you know you know what you know what people you know we're talking about people having trouble coming to uncomfortable truths mark margo is having a hard time coming to the uncomfortable truth that she really likes me better than mark yeah i know that i'm her favorite tradman (laughs) (laughs) guys it's an hour and 17 so i'm gonna i'm gonna close it off may almighty god bless each and every one of us mary lady keep us pray for the victims pray for yourselves and pray for each other um, life is hard, but it's harder when you don't pray the rosary. And if any of you guys ever want to reach out to me, uh, you know, privately, I, the email is great. I also respond, uh, on, on Twitter. If you ever want to, I let everybody, I let anybody who wants to DM me on Twitter. I won't take it personally. Trust me. You know, it, it's not weird, right? It, it, if, I mean, don't make it weird, but you know, um, if you ever don't, want, yeah, I mean, if you don't tip talk, me, if you ever want to talk about anything. I'll, I'll, I'll do the best I can. Uh, and if, and if I can't help you, I'll try and refer you to some, you know, refer you to somebody who I think might be able to help you. All right. Um, almighty God bless each and every one of us. Mary lady, keep us Jason, any parting thoughts? No, just God bless everybody. Have a good weekend and, uh, get to mass on Sunday. Yep. We'll see you next time. God bless everybody.